another day, another one of the top 100 NBA player rankings at a national website. The Ringer has their top 100, a surprise or two uh, for Kings fans. Before we get to that, Whitey Gleason, Kyle Draper. Kyle, we've been talking about so many things today. You mentioned James Harden. Somehow you brought that up when we were talking about the, you know, the the brotherly shove. Um, but what is what's going on with James Harden today? I've heard his name in the news. Is anything uh, shaken with a potential trade? Yeah, he he's protesting right now. Obviously, he still wants out of Philadelphia. Uh, has not practiced with the Sixers all week since Sunday. Uh, reports are that he's been in Houston all week as well. So he's not even with the team. He's not even in Philly. Uh, Nick Nurse said today that he still expects James Harden to play in that preseason game on Friday. Harden has gone on record as saying he will play on Friday, but he's not with the team. And so uh, the reports are that the Clippers are trying to get some more draft picks maybe to sweeten the deal to try and get James Harden. But uh, it's a mess right now. And if I'm Philly, I don't know if I can trust the guy. Like, obviously, he had some good games in the postseason, but he also had some games where he was non-existent. And he was a big reason why, and throwing beat in there also, there's shortcomings in that Game 7 against Boston, a reason why they lost. And so, if I'm Philly, I got to move on from James. I don't understand. I don't see, unless he's willing to change his stance, you can't have a guy one week he's there, the next week he's not with the team. And so, that's what's happening right now. Daryl Murray is... By all accounts, very stubborn and dug in on this, and he's yes. not going to give in. Uh, it just seems to me that the Clippers, they're believed to have interest. And I've read, I don't know if you've read this, that uh, Terrence Mann is a sticking point. If the Clippers don't want to make this trade because of Terrence Mann, either <laughs> they don't really want to make, nothing against Terrence Mann, he's a nice player, but either they don't really want to make the trade or they feel like we have him over a barrel. We don't have to give him anything we don't want right. to give him. Yeah, and, and that's what seems to be happening. And, you know, I'll bring up the Dame Lillard situation. It felt like that, too, like Miami was the only team negotiating with Portland. And so Miami dug in. They didn't have to, you know, have to increase their assets to get them. And then, lo and behold, Milwaukee came in. And so uh, right now, it seems like the Clippers are the only team interested in James Harden. And if, if that's the case, if you're Philly, you might have to take back pennies on the dollar to get rid of this guy. I don't know what to make of the Clippers because obviously we all know this. If they're healthy, they're a really, really good team. But that's one of the things, it seems to me, Kyle, that makes the West so hard to predict. And where are the Kings going to end up in the West? Well, Carl Anthony Towns is coming off an injury. Steven Adams is coming off of an injury. Kawhi and Paul George are always coming off of injuries. So there's a lot of uh, key figures. Zion Williamson is coming off an injury. A lot of guys that could have a huge impact on the race um, that have – you know, injury questions swirling around them. So who knows what's going to happen? Right, and, and that's the thing. You got these preseason polls and power rankings. You know how much you love that. Love and, and But nobody knows until you play the games. And like you said, the games, the standings will tell us who's healthy, who's not. The standings will answer all the questions for us. Don't you think, though, the Clippers, and they're not a team that I'm picking to do great, but I could see how if things come together for them, the way Westbrook figured things out last year, I mean, if things break for them right, they, they could be a really good yeah, team. Yeah, every year on paper, they are, you could argue, the most talented team in the Western Conference on paper. And so their biggest issue, obviously, has been health. And I feel like, though, every year we come in talking about the Clippers. But I'm not boo-boo the fool here, Whitey. I, I'm letting what's happened over the last three seasons with the Clippers, you know, educate me and show me they are who we thought they were. They're a great team when healthy, but they are never 
fully healthy. Somebody asked Ty Lu, what do you do to make sure that Paul George and Kawhi stay healthy? And he said, pray. And I guess they <laughs> laughed and he said, no, I, yeah, right. that's, what else can you do? We just got to have things go our way. Yeah, and, and Ty Lu's my guy and I think he's a great coach. And, you know, they have the talent. They they made some moves uh, last year. I thought bringing in Plumlee, I thought was a great pickup uh, for them last season. And so they have the pieces to compete for a championship they just need those two guys to stay healthy. How many years have we been saying that though about yeah. the Clippers? Yeah. Wow, they have the pieces. Seriously, what's and, and four or five yeah. years? And and here's what's crazy. They both are going into a player option for next year. So they both can opt out. And if you're Steve Ballmer, are you giving Kawhi Leonard three hundred million? Are you giving Paul George three hundred million? When the luxury tax keeps going luxury up. Luxury tax apron keep, is and you are married to those two guys. That's your squad. Those are your stars. For, you know, the next four or five years. Or do you start hitting the reset? You know, maybe let one of them walk. I would imagine Paul George might go across the street to the Lakers, you know, or something like that. But, like, if you're Steve Ballmer, you're putting all this money in, all this money into these two guys, and you're not getting the return on investment in terms of wins. Do you think that it is Paul George and Westbrook and Kawhi, some combination of those guys, that's really probably what's driving the Harden talk? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, you look at, uh, you know, James Harden. He played in OKC, obviously, uh, with Westbrook, and and so they know each other very well. Uh, Paul George and Harden are reportedly friends as well. And so, but the problem with what the Clippers are trying to do, though, is I get it. James Harden's a talent. He's a potential 20 and 10 guy. But you can't just this. You're not putting together an all-star team. You know, you need chemistry. You need guys that does do the dirty work, glue guys. Mm-hmm. You know, guys that know their role. And I understand James Harden is a good player. Uh, had a great season last year. But what about chemistry? And you know, Paul George needs the ball. Kawhi not necessarily needs the ball. But what's Russell Westbrook going to do out there? He's not going to be in the corner as a spot up three point shooter. And so I don't know how the pieces fit together for them. I think the injury of those injuries of those two and also the load management has really hurt them in this sense. For the one thing, so often in the postseason they haven't been both available. For another, to your point, in my opinion, there's been so often when they've kind of manage those guys' loads during the season. Then you get in the playoffs when you're playing the best teams, and the best teams are further ahead than you because they've been through this as a team, and you're still figuring things out because your main players haven't been on the floor right, enough right. at the same time. Right. They don't have that chemistry yeah. that, that every other team has out, out there in the Western Conference. And that's one thing, you know, Ty, Ty Lue struggles with, I would imagine. It's like you want to do certain things, and you don't know who's going to be in the lineup on, on any given night with the Clippers. Mm-hmm. You're not scared of the Pelicans, are you? I'm not scared of the Pelicans. You know, Zion, I, I think he'll, he'll be a great player if he stays healthy. Uh, it's just something seems off, you know, with the health situation. Now, if he's healthy, he's a game changer. He's a game changer for them. But I think they're a little undersized right now, too. You know, they don't have Jackson Hayes uh, anymore. Right. He's now with the Lakers as well. And we're seeing a little Zion at the five here in the preseason. I, I don't know how that's going to work. I think they'll make some noise. But if I'm Sacramento, if, if I'm being honest, if I'm Sacramento, the teams I'm looking at, Denver, Memphis, Lakers, and Suns. And Warriors to an extent. Warriors, you Maybe. know, to me, those are the top five, six teams in the Western Conference. Mm-hmm. See, I think OKC could slide in there. And I know... You think they're we, ready? Um, I think they could be. I think, and especially I, 
after seeing Holmgren playing last week. And I know it's his rookie year, but I think they're really close. They just have so much talent. And Shea is obviously, he's like yeah. one of the best players in the NBA. And he's a superstar, and he, you know, is a team player too. Yeah. That's the thing. He allows his teammates to be who they are. It's not all. It's not the Shea Gilgis Alexander. He's not pounding the ball, dribbling out the clock a la Luka Doncic or anything. It's not the Shea show. He allows his other guys to be great also. Jalen Williams and Josh Giddy. Yeah, so that's going to be a fun team uh, to watch. And there's going to be a lot of fun games in the West this year. Sacramento Kings have, as we mentioned, three players in the Ringer's Top 100. We'll tell you who they are and where they rank when we come right back here. Drive Guys, Sackdown Sports. Kyle Draper, Whitey Gleason, Drive Guys. Thanks for being with us. We take you up to Kings basketball, Kings and the Warriors. Before we get to the top 100 list, Kyle, I don't know if you saw this. Adam Silver now says the NBA for the All-Star game. They're thinking of going back to the East versus West. Yes. That thing? You yes. like that? I, I like that. I, something needs to be done. I was in Salt Lake City uh, this past year, took my son to the All-Star game, and he loved it. He enjoyed it. He's a Jason Tatum Such fan. Such a spectacle. Yeah, spectacle. But basketball-wise, it was an abomination. It it was it was the worst basketball game I have seen on a professional level. And so what made these games great back in the day, in our day, Whitey, is sure, maybe the defense wasn't locked down D, but at least in the fourth quarter, it would ratchet up. Teams would try to, you know, guys were letting Jason Tatum shoot wide open threes. He went for the record 55 points. I, I just... I don't know how you fix it if you're Adam Silver. I think East versus West can be one way. Um, I don't. I'm not a fan of tying any kind of postseason home court advantage or anything to the conference that wins. I think players just got to take pride in it. And what you know, I was listening to Adam Silver today, and one thing I was thinking, Whitey, is we got guys going hard during summer pickup runs. Balling out Enrico Hines' workout on UCLA campus, the Drew League, Miami Summer League. They're going hard. There's no talk of, but we don't want to play hard for injuries. They're playing hard. So why can't they play hard in the All-Star game? Why can't they go at it in the All-Star game? Injuries can't be a reason. Because if that's the case, I better not see you in all these summer leagues going hard. And so the players... I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's a, a money thing. It's a uh, how do you entice them to go hard in the All-Star game? But it's become a joke right now. As an NBA fan, I was embarrassed by what I saw uh, in February. Yeah, I, I just don't see how going East versus West is going to address the issue. That, I, yeah. I'm for it I, because, well, it used to be that way. But is that going to matter? I have a hard time seeing how it's going to really No, exactly. I, I don't think that changes anything what you need is the players to actually care about the game mm-hmm. and care about putting on a competitive product. It's almost and, like, hey, you know what? We don't want to make each other look bad. We'll just go out there. Right, and, yeah. right. And, and I don't get it. And, and like I said, injury can't be the excuse when you're planning all these other pickup games during the summer. Top 100 players in the NBA, according to The Ringer, and The Ringer does it a little differently uh, than some of the other outlets because they actually have a – a fivesome of analysts, Bill mm. Simmons, Rob Mahoney, Michael Pina, Chris Ryan, and Justin Verrier. And they're the ones 
that uh, vote on this. We have three kings in their top 100. At number 17, De'Aaron Fox. At number 24, DeMontis Sabonis. And at number 91, a little bit of a surprise, Kevin Herter making the ringers top 100. How about that? That's impressive. I I like our our guy Kevin Herter being up there, getting some respect. And, you know, I don't know if it's accurate or not. You know, when you look at the top 100, Kevin Herter is ahead of... Uh, Anthony Simons. He's ahead of Scoot Henderson, uh, you know, the number three overall pick. R.J. Barrett, he's ahead of. Alpern Shagoon, I know you like Shagoon uh, out there in Houston. I, do. I think he's a good yeah, player. Yeah, I think he's a good player as well. And so I, I think Kevin Herter at his best, which we saw during the regular season, yeah, I, I could see him being a top 100 player. You know, it was a kind of a, uh, a topic – in the offseason, wasn't it? Uh, who's better, Kevin Herter or Tyler Hero? Remember that? Because I think the Athletic had Herter higher, and I think uh, Tyler Hero actually responded to that Did he on really? social oh, media. I might have missed that he way. wasn't crazy about <laughs> right, that. Right. But the point is that Kevin Herter, after the season ended, was that uh, highly regarded in some corners? No. In, I mean, anytime you can get a mention from Kevin Durant, uh, during the season uh, about being a flamethrower, being a, a great shooter, which Kevin Herter was. He had a tremendous season last year. His splits were off the charts. He was great out there. And so it's well-deserved for Kevin Herter. And so I have no problem with him being, you know, I would like to see a Harrison Barnes up in the mix, uh, a Keegan Murray, even a Malik Monk. Malik had a tremendous year uh, last year. You know, the, the issue I have is is the disparity. You know, you go from DeMontis Sabonis you know, who was way up there. What was he, 24, did we say? Yeah, uh-huh. yeah 24. Right and behind then, uh, Tyrese Halliburton. Right behind Tyrese. And then you got to wait all the way to 91 to go with the Sacramento Kings and Kevin Herter. But isn't Keegan Murray a better player than Kevin Herter? Nothing against Kevin Herter. Isn't Keegan a better player? That's a great question. I want to give my guy Keegan the benefit of the doubt. But if I'm basing it just on last season... Kevin Herter was the better player. Mm -hmm. Now, going into this season, Keegan should be the third best player on the Sacramento Kings. There's those big hopes. But Keegan hasn't done it yet. And so I I don't think he's earned that respect around the league just yet. That's why this is such an important season for him. One thing that's pointed out here is something that you mentioned, and I'll be honest, I really have never given Herter much credit for this. Chris Ryan wrote the piece on Herter, points out that he uh, is an above-average secondary playmaker. Yeah, and I think that was one of the things that we were shocked by when Kevin Herter came over uh, from Atlanta is we knew he could shoot the ball. We understood that. But his uh, playmaking, getting downhill, hitting the open man, two-man game with DeMontis Sabonis, I I think that's something you know not many people knew he had in him. And so – when you talk about the season he had last year, sure, the shooting numbers were great, but the assist numbers for his position and what he's being asked to do, they were good as well. And so that's another reason why he's in this top 100. I know that you disagree, and I Uh-oh. understand why you disagree, with the critics who are saying, oh, they're going to be 11th. But just try and, if I could ask you to try to think the way those people are thinking, what do you think it is the Kings did last year that, those people are saying, well, they can't do that again. I mean, other than, well, win as many games. But why do you think teams, or excuse me, analysts can look at the Kings and say, well, that's something they did last year, but they're not going to do that again. What do, what do you think they are thinking there? A, a number of things. One, the offense was a record-setting offense. And maybe it takes a step back a little bit. Uh, two, the injury situation. You know, that's their biggest thing. And three... 
They say DeMontis Sabonis was exposed in the postseason, and now other teams have the blueprint on how to defend the Sacramento Kings. I find that to be garbage, obviously. And four, I'll, I'll just quickly add: other teams made some major improvements. They added some guys. They'll, you know, the Clippers. They're going to say they're going to be healthier. The Warriors will be healthier. They brought in Chris Paul. The Lakers improved their roster. So I get it. The West is is much more difficult this season. But it seems like when people knock the Sacramento Kings down a few notches, it's not because of anything with the Sacramento Kings and anything that they can actually control. It's because of what other teams are doing. It's because of health, maybe, or something like that. Like, to me, when I look at this Kings roster, tell me what player that they lost that they'll actually miss. Yeah, I, you know, I don't you, we see can't. anybody. I, I don't see anybody. miss a little of this from that guy or that from that guy. Right, but, but overall, not, I don't, overall, I don't see a whole This there. is a like, better oh, roster no. than what it was yeah, a season ago. Nothing against Terrence Davis, but that's a great right. point. Right, I think it's a better roster, 1 through 12, 1 through 13, than it was a season ago. And so I don't see how you can look at the Sacramento Kings and say that they will be worse than last year. Other than everybody else got better or the injury situation. Mm -hmm. And a lot of it is, we talked about it, there seem to be a lot of analysts that really just don't take Sabonis as seriously as his numbers and his history suggest they should. It wasn't like he came out of nowhere to make an all-star team last year. It's his third all-star team. Right. And that's the thing. DeMontis Sabonis is who he is. And the thing about Domas, that when you talk to players around the league, that wasn't even a career high in scoring for him last right, year. Right, right. What did he average? 20 point something? 20.3 uh, in yeah. 21. Yeah, in 21 uh, with Indiana. Yeah. And, and so I, I just think, you know, and Compio says the analysts are overrated. I agree. And, and, you know, we had Matt Barnes earlier, you know, take what these guys are saying with a grain of salt when it comes to DeMontis Sabonis. The dude delivers time and time again. It's not a fluke that he was 19, 12, and 7. He's one of the best rebounders in the game. Rebounding doesn't just disappear from one season to another. He'll be right up there with Jokic once again uh, as one of the best rebounders in the entire NBA. 19 points per game. That's not asking a whole lot from your second best player. That's, you know, that should be gravy. I would like to see him get to the free throw line a little bit more eight, nine times a game, something like that. And then when you look at the assists, if guys are making shots, they run the offense through them. Mm -hmm. And so what DeMontis Sabonis was able to do this past season is not a fluke. I said it before, 19 and 12 and 7, mark it down. I was looking at uh, some over-under numbers for DeMontis Sabonis earlier today. I think it was bet online. They had over-under 19 and a half points. Over under 12 and a half rebounds, over under seven and a half assists. So that's how, right? So it's Pretty like, solid. right, that's, that's who he is, and that's who he'll be again. I had seen him play a lot, or at least I thought I had. You know, the Pacers, yeah. he's a really good player. He was an all star, as we said. I didn't know how hard he plays every night, if I'm being right. honest. I did yes. not realize that till I saw him so much last year. Exactly. And that's to me became contagious. Uh, with this Sacramento Kings. Uh, like, he lays it on the line mm-hmm. night in and night out. He's battling in, in there. And, you know, he, he may not, you know, uh, have the strongest right hand. We want him to develop that or whatever. But what this guy does, he is elite at it. He's an elite rebounder. And 
He's strong. He's super strong. The players around the league say he's one of the strongest players in the NBA. So when you go against DeMontis Sabonis, you're going to feel him. You know, that, that that's the kind of guy he is. The key for him, I think, this year is the ability to continue to hit the outside shot. Yes. Maybe uh, the percentage can stay. Percentage could even dip a little bit. But if he can keep it around 35-plus right. and take more of them— right. That's going to be. And, and what was he? A thirty-seven yes. percent three-point shooter, yes. I think it was last season, which is phenomenal. Exactly. Maybe you take a few of more of those, like you said. The numbers dip down a little, but you're more of a threat from out mm-hmm. there now. Keep the defense honest, yeah. as we like to say. <laughs> uh, coming back with this, back to football because uh, Kyle gets mad if we like go for a few segments <laughs> without talking about Brock Purdy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So my guy, <laughs> tell you one area in which Brock Purdy is without question. Uh, the best in the league. Actually, some very staggering numbers on Brock Purdy and how much he makes. And that's next year with the Drive Guys on Sac. I'm nothing if not fair-minded. So I just wanted to give you, Kyle Draper, a chance okay. to, if you care to, restate your position on our poll question because, it's it, frankly, it's getting away from you a little bit. Uh, we were talking about uh, the young lady who was a Charger fan, but no, she's a Viking fan. Uh, and so she was, you know, she was uh, exposed as a phony. So the question is, can you be a fan of more than one team? Uh, and you felt that, yes, yes, do what you want. And I felt that you do what you want, but you're not really a fan if you're a fan of more than one team. That's our poll question on the YouTube chat. And it looks like um, be loyal to your soil. Let's come back and take it in the lead. Yeah, 56 to 44 people on your side. And let me state my case again. Yes, let me sure. just state my case again. The reason why I think you could be a fan of more than one team simultaneously is because in 2023, people move around the country all the time. And so are you telling me just because I don't live in Philadelphia anymore, I can't like the Eagles and let's say I'm not a Niners fan, but let's say I couldn't cheer for the Niners as well. Or how about this? What if they're in different conferences? I used to live in Boston. I can't like the Eagles and the Patriots. I used to cover the Patriots. I can't like the Eagles and Patriots and root for them. Think about that, Whitey. You can you move around you so mm-hmm. much mm-hmm. now that this old antiquated idea that nope, you got to be loyal to this one team. Players change all the time. So what if, let's say, for instance, as a young kid growing up in Philadelphia, Magic Johnson was my favorite player. I cheered for the Lakers. But also, I wanted the hometown Sixers to do well as well because that was my hometown. That's where I live. And so my point is... You remind me of why Beyonce got booed. Do you remember that story? Why did she get booed? She was... Uh, Destiny's uh, Child was playing when... Was that 01 when the Lakers were playing the Sixers? Sixers. And they're yeah. at uh, yeah. the Spectrum. Yeah, the Spectrum back yeah. then. Yeah, or... and Destiny's Child had split jerseys on. Ooh. Why? Because we like both teams. But if you, how did the fans respond to that? Even to Kelly Rowland, they even booed Kelly Rowland. Not Kelly. I love me some Kelly Rowland. Don't be booing Philly fans out. Don't be booing Kelly Rowland. But here's the thing, Whitey. I don't live in Philadelphia anymore, but I still got love for all my Philadelphia teams. Okay. I would imagine there's a segment of our listeners right now who says, Drapes, you should be liking the Niners. But according to Whitey's, uh, you know, stance, I can't like the Niners because I, I like the Eagles. 
They're rivals, so that would never happen. I'm just throwing that out there. So I'm right. But this lady likes the Chargers and the Vikings. Uh-huh. There's no rivalry there. They never play each other. They're not in the Super Bowl battling each other. She used to live in Minnesota. She was a Vikings fan growing up. Now she moved to you know L.A. She's a Chargers fan now. That's What's wrong with that? There's well, nothing wrong with that. It's fine. You can do what you want, but just don't tell me you're a Charger fan if then there's pictures of, uh, wait, you're a Viking fan. Oh, yeah, I like the Vikings. That might have been do 15, 20 years been, ago. But she didn't say that. She said, oh, yeah, I like the Vikings too. All I'm saying is like whoever you want. Root for whoever you want and enjoy the games. Don't root for anybody or root for everybody, but don't tell me you're a fan of this team if you're also a fan of that team because that's not what being a fan is. That's all I'm saying. What, what I need is for my people who agree with me because <laughs> I'm losing in this poll. <laughs> I'm losing the poll right now. You had an early Please, lead I know. Please go to our YouTube page, Sactown Sports 1140. Look up the drive, guys. We're live right now. We got less than an hour or so to go here. Can you be a fan of more than one team simultaneously? I'm urging you to vote. Yup. Variety is the spice of life. It's 2023. Split jersey and no, like who you like, Mm. like who you like. And if this lady grew up in Philly, what if her dad was a Vikings fan growing up, and you know it's embedded in her blood? But now she's out in the fugitive. I don't care. Hey, keep doing your thing, Miss Doe. That's yeah. how you pronounce her name, I think, right? Doe? Doe? I think so. Marion yeah. Doe. Yeah. yeah. Keep doing your and, thing. And, you know, she got her few moments on a, a fame, I guess. Yeah. She was on McAfee, and isn't that really all she wanted? That, that's all she wanted, right? Mm-hmm. It's, hey, man. She didn't ask to be put on TV a, a thousand times on Monday Night Football. See, that, she didn't and I have no idea. But there are some people that say, oh, yeah, she knew what she was doing, and she was acting that way because she knew it was national TV, and she knew eventually the cameras were going to find her. I have no way of knowing. I'm but looking at this poll and my people are showing out. Good. Keep poll, keep voting. Yup, variety you. is the spice yeah. of life. Yeah, I like that team and I like that team <laughs> and, and I that, like one. that team. <laughs> you know, what I really like are the Diamondbacks and the Phillies. So I'm going to enjoy this game because yay! They they're versing each other. <laughs> These the Vikings and Chargers aren't playing each other, Whitey. Uh huh. Eventually they will. That's the point. At some point, everybody plays everybody else. And you got to have your team that you're behind, in my opinion. So and once again, you're wrong. I'm right. Basically, uh-huh. is what uh-huh. we're pulling. What's Paul say again? So yeah. Campio says, "Who did you root for when you were a teenager?" Me? Yeah. Uh, what sport? What are we talking about? Uh, and who do you root for now? Let's say basketball. Basketball. Uh, this is before they were the Sacramento Kings, and I didn't live here. I was a Laker fan. Okay. And I know you can say what you want, but I loved Magic Johnson. Me too. I'm not going to argue it. Who do you root for now, though? The Kings. <laughs> but he's oh unequ- my god! <laughs> he's how unequivocally could- you see, a Kings fan. Samo, did you hear how convincing that was? What do you want to say? Hey, man, just say it's okay. I'm just, I'm just giving the listeners what they want. The YouTube you chatters what they I'm want. A la- I'm not a Laker I'm, fan. I'm not saying that at all. You, okay. you seem defensive, Whitey. <laughs> I just answered your question. I didn't say it at all. I'm just giving the listeners. I feel what they like want. I'm on, you know, the stand here. I'm testifying. All right, who's your football team? I told you the Bengals. But I like to see the 49ers do well. I cannot oh, you say. you can't do that. You can't. You're right. You You're can't. Right. So when You're they right. play in two weeks, who are you rooting for? I think of uh, the, the 49ers. <laughs> but you're right. What? There are, you just said you were a Bengals fan, right. Whitey. Can I, can I make my point? I can't say. You look at 49er fans who have been fans forever. I can't say I'm one of them. 
because that's disrespectful to them. I am not a fan of that level. I like to see the 49ers win. I, yeah, I'm a 49er fan. That's disrespectful to the true fans. I don't claim to be but one. But you're disrespecting the Bengals right now by saying, you know They're what? They're used to it. <laughs> I'm a Bengals fan, but I want them to lose this week to the Niners. I can't really Man, say that I'm that You can't dig yourself out of this one. You can't no, no, dig no. yourself out I of this I can't. One. I'm not that emotionally attached to the Bengals where I can honestly say, yeah, I'm a Bengals fan. I'm really not. That would, it, that would be disrespectful if I says I was. So you're not a, like now you're not a, like a diehard Bengals fan. No, I'm not, not. I'm not. I will say this, and you'll agree with me on it. Being in this job sort of like takes away a little bit of the it fandom. It can, you know, mm-hmm. especially when you move around a little bit and everything like that. So the one thing I do hang on to is my Philadelphia teams because no matter where I live, I'm always from Philadelphia, yeah. so that's how I uh, how I keep it. You know what it's like, and I'm not complaining about this job. This is a great job, and sometimes you hear people, oh, this job, you don't know. You know, it's like it's, yeah. you sit here and you talk about sports. It's great. But one time I went to Disneyland um, as part of a media thing, and we went backstage at Disneyland, yeah. and, like, you see, like, Mickey Mouse take his helmet off. Oh, right, it's like, right. And now you know it's a guy, but there's something about, oh. And that's kind of like when you, especially you, as close as you are to it. You see some of that, and there's a little bit of the magic, a little bit sports magic that goes away. Yes. It's still great. Right. Um, but right. then, of course, the stuff that is truly magic, you're actually closer to that, too. So that's, yeah. that's to your point. Like, it's hard to be the same kind of fan when you're right in it. But yes. on the other hand, you get to see things that fans don't ever get to right. see. Right, exactly. That, that's some of the trade-off. And, you know, what they always say, don't, don't meet your heroes. You know, and that happened to me. I'll tell this quick story, Whitey. Take your I, time. Grew up, I grew up a Georgetown Hoya basketball fan. You remember the Hoyas back uh-huh. in the eighties? Uh-huh. I was a big John Thompson fan. You want me to get Harold Presley on? Yeah, Harold Presley's my guy. Yeah, we should get him on one day. Saw him the other day at the golf tournament. But I was a big John Thompson fan. Love John Thompson. Love the Hoyas. Lonzo Mourning, Dikembe, Ewing, all those. Like I was Hoyas till I die. I'm covering the Final Four, and I was doing an assignment. And I needed to interview coaches about something. I see John Thompson and I'm getting nervous. I'm like, oh my God, that's John Thompson. I'm about to go interview John Thompson, right? That's the legend. And he's talking to somebody. And I was probably 27 at the time, something like that, 28. I go over to Coach Thompson. I'm like, Coach, can I uh, grab you for an interview? Hey, Kyle Draper, WHAS TV in Louisville, can I grab you for this interview? Now, mind you, I'm nervous. I'm looking at an idol yep. of mine, mm-hmm. a hero mm-hmm. of mine. Mm-hmm. He turns to me and says, young man, go wait over there. Don't you see I'm talking right now? Don't, didn't your parents teach you never interrupt a grown-up when they're talking? And I just was shattered, bro. I still love Coach Thompson, rest in peace, but I was shattered. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, in this business, sometimes you get to meet your heroes too, and you kind of like, you know, yeah. it, it kind of uh, – yeah. It kind of, yeah, makes you feel a certain way. Real quick, Whitey, uh-huh. you know who's one guy I actually fanboyed over, like really like lost it over, and you won't believe who this guy is. Somebody with the Celtics? Nope. Who? Somebody with the Niners. I'm in a hotel in Orlando with the Celtics. We're playing the Magic. I walk into the lobby, and I see Joe freaking Montana. Wow. And I just lost it, dude. I lost I was like, oh, my God, that's Joe Montana. And he looked at me like I was crazy. Like, I was one of those stalkers to him that night. But it was like, 
how is Joe Montana right here in this lobby? And this was a little boutique hotel. It wasn't like the big Marriott's or anything. This was a boutique hotel, and I totally lost it. And then I went up to my room, and I was like, did I just embarrass myself in front of Joe Montana? Sure enough, but it was Joe freaking Montana. You know how. That's Joe Montana. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And Absolutely. so I can admit that. Yeah. I admit that. He's probably used to it, right? <laughs> he is, right? Yeah. Right. But not from... 45-year-old grown men, right? Or, uh, maybe maybe he is. is. Maybe he is. Yeah, maybe of course, the current edition of Joe Montana is Brock Purdy. And we'll look at why he's such a great bargain when we come right back. And uh, we're going to get to Matt Barnes. We talked to Matt yes. Barnes earlier today. Top of the hour, going to replay that because that's definitely uh, worth hearing for those who missed it. Uh, coming up here with the Drive Guys on Sacktown Sports. Oh, yeah. Some of Kyle's views are not especially popular with all segments of our uh, audience today. That's fine. Thanks for being with us. I, but here's the thing, Whitey. I don't do this show to suck up to the fan base. That's not. That's not drapes. That's that's right. That's not. I'm. I'm not a homer. I'm not going to right. tell you what you want to hear or anything like that. You know. Uh-huh. And, and I see what's coming through on the text line nine one six. If Kyle got paid per bad take, he'd be a damn millionaire. <laughs> I might already be a millionaire. How about that? You don't even know that. You don't know my bank account situation. So I don't say things to make people happy. I say things because I believe them. You know, I'm not one of those actors out there. You know, I'm not like your girl, uh, the Chargers. Uh, Vikings. Right. <laughs> Marion do. Yeah, yeah, do, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Well, someone here says, well, why do you're a Laker fan? Pulls over. I'm not a Laker fan. I'm not a Laker fan. <laughs> I was at one time. I was at one time. We both were. Ain't nothing wrong with that. Yeah. You know, we both were. I think I can uh, speak for Kyle when I say I'm a big fan of Brock Purdy, or at least how much money he's making and how it fits into the 49er scheme. Real quick here, this was, if you haven't seen this already, uh, you might want to check this out at ESPN.com. How quickly do 31 quarterbacks earn Purdy's $870,000 a Mm. year? Isn't it funny, Kyle, because... The premise of this, first of all, is that, boy, Brock Purdy's not making anything. He's making 870000 That's pretty good. That's pretty good. There's nothing wrong with 870000 No. That is pretty darn good. But by NFL quarterback standards, it's nothing. So Lamar Jackson uh, makes as much as Brock Purdy does in 11 minutes. Wow. Yeah, 11 minutes of a game. So the game starts, you know, for halfway through the first quarter, first Lamar quarter, Jackson has Lamar made Jackson. that much money. Patrick Mahomes, 16 minutes. Daniel Jones has matched Brock Purdy's salary for the year in 19 minutes of an wow. NFL game. $46 million this year for <laughs> Daniel Jones. Deshaun Watson, also 19 minutes. Joe Burrow, 24 minutes. Dak, 29 minutes. Derek Carr, 30 minutes. Now, that one... Doesn't seem right, does it? No, it doesn't. When was the last time Derek Carr had a good season? Mm-hmm. It's been a while. Kirk Cousins, 30 minutes. Josh Allen, 32 minutes. Josh Allen. He's, he's underpaid, huh? Yes. My God. Yeah. Uh, Russell Wilson's at 32 minutes. Geno Smith. Geno Smith. Our guy. Well, my guy, Geno Smith. Uh-huh. $27.5 wow. million. So, yeah, in 32 minutes, he has matched Brock Purdy's salary for this year. You got Stafford in there. Ryan Tannehill at 33 minutes. Jared Goff. Jared Goff underpaid, am I right? Yes, I mean, he's for taken sure. a team to the for Super Bowl. For sure. He's been to the, yeah, for sure. He's uh-huh. underpaid. Uh, Bryce Young. Jimmy Garoppolo in 37 minutes has matched Brock Purdy's salary for the year. You got Jalen Hurts. Wow. Yeah. The best value in all Overrated. of football. Overrated. 
best value. Jalen Hurts? No. In how many minutes? Jalen Hurts severely underpaid. How much is Jalen Hurts getting? $24.3 million this year. And what did he finish? Second in MVP voting last year? In April, he signed a $255 million five-year contract extension. If he could have just waited. Think about that. Because the market changed. Dan Jones got paid. Um, I think Dan Jones might have got paid last year, actually. But L- Lamar Jackson got paid. That sort of reset the quarterback market. And so, yeah. no, my guy is uh, underpaid for yeah. sure. Yeah, and here's the thing. You know, these things are they're they're looked at different ways. Your guy, Jalen Hurts, had $51 million average annual value, and that's among the largest yeah. in league history. And he also got $179.3 million guaranteed. Guarante- yeah, but the guarantee is the yeah. big number, yeah. right? Yeah. For that's this- the number purposes of this exercise we're just looking at what they're making this year cj stroud anthony richardson how's bryce Brock- young uh at 25.4 million that's yeah man uh-huh and uh justin herbert uh 52 minutes to match so the point is if you're the 49ers and you're getting anything out of this guy who's making that little and you're getting you know we kid a lot we go back and forth how good is he they're getting a lot out of him and for less than a million dollars this year, and you look at all the other stars they have and how much they have to pay him, it's just a perfect situation. It, it really is. And and Shanahan and, and Lynch, they sort of fell into it, right? Because the plan was for Trey Lance to be the guy, you know? And, like, we never thought Brock Purdy would see the field. But injuries happen, and Brock Purdy, to his credit, he took it and ran with it. And so, you know, I always tell young kids, you know, in any walk of life, it's not about how you get the job. It's about what you do with the job when you do get it. And Brock Purdy is doing excellent when he got the job. And so, you know what? He's in line for a big payday. You know, uh, you know the Niners. 2026, sure. he's a fan. Uh, yeah, 2026. But they got to restructure that, right? Before then, I would imagine. Sure. If sure. he's going to be your starting quarterback, they would have to restructure his deal. But uh, kudos to him, man. The Niners, sort of like Steph Curry with the ankles, you know, you're able to sign him, I think, to $11 million per year, uh, you know, which was a bargain basement price. That allowed you to do some other things cap-wise, and we're seeing that with the Niners also. Mm-hmm. And Tua this year, $4.7 million, uh, free agent in 2025. Tua's so what? $4.7 Are you million. serious? Yeah. That's highway robbery. Mm-hmm. That, that's, it is, oh isn't my it? Gosh. Uh, Dolphins picked up his fifth-year option. Of course they did. $23.4 million in, <laughs> in March. Trevor Lawrence, $4 million. Baker Mayfield, $4 million this year. Zach Wilson, three point nine. You got uh, Fields, Justin Fields. Joshua Dobbs, one and a half. Kenny Pickett, $1.3 million. Mm. Yeah. Sam Howell, by the way, is making the same as, uh, as Brock Purdy. So, I would imagine after this season, they got to restructure his deal. Like after that, this year, after like, uh, if I'm I mean, Brock Purdy, if I'm Brock Purdy, yeah, but yes. if I'm the Niners, if I'm I, Brock uh, Purdy, and it may, he might not be that type of guy, but there's no way I'm going into next year making a million dollars or whatever that number is next year. There's no way, especially if you win a Super Bowl. Come on, man, mm-hmm. come on, yeah. hold out, city baby, hold yeah. out, city. He does seem like he'd be the type where, nah, I got to be there for the team. Right, right. He seems like it. He Who seems knows? like it. I don't know him or anything like that. But if he was a running back or wide receiver or something, and he earned NFL MVP votes or whatever, I mean, under a million dollars, which is still a lot of money in the whole scheme of life, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but a starting NFL Super Bowl caliber quarterback because the Niners think he's that guy. They got to restructure his deal after this. And speaking of salaries, and thank you, Kyle Draper, who texted this to me today. 
Uh, you've got a new deal now. It's in place for Roger Goodell. Yes. So by 2027, with this new extension here, Roger Goodell's career earnings will be more than double what any player has made. Think about that. <laughs> Talk about stealing money. For Roger what? Goodell has the best job in the world. How much is he making? He's making over $44 million, right? I, I remember a few years ago he was making $44 mil per year. Uh, all I have here is his career earnings following the three-year extension will be at $700 million, million. Dollars for Roger Goodell. For what? <laughs> what, what is he... What is he doing? Like, and and that's what we say. More than double Aaron Rodgers' career earnings. Uh, Tom Brady. Yeah, it's it's Aaron Rodgers three hundred forty-two million, the most money earned by any NFL player in their career of any player ever. And Roger Goodell just obliterated that. that. Yeah, he has the best job, and sure, he takes a lot of hits. Obviously, uh, he's the fall guy. A, a lot of times, you know, people want to criticize him, yell at him, get on him. You know, but he must be a good negotiator with the networks or something. He does what right. the owners want, right. which is great. But I'm not going to pay him seven hundred million dollars to do what I want. There's got to be more. I'm getting. Yeah, that if I'm one of the owners, right? So, there, there's got to be, yeah, more. I guess he's got, but he's great bringing them good, yeah, the TV deals, obviously, the growth of the sport, the growth of the game. I mean, look at it. I'm reading this story on CBS Sports. He also helped negotiate a hundred and thirteen billion dollar broadcast rights deal with uh, yeah. that runs through 2033. I mean, that's, that's a lot I think of money. He's made that's his money a is by lot of money. money for the league. But how much work do you have to do for that? Though? I don't know. The product speaks for itself, right? Like <laughs> it's football. <laughs> it's football, right? It's so uh, it's good to be Roger Goodell. That, he has the best job in the country. How do you rank the um, the three primary sport main sport commissioners? And we're not including hockey, uh, Gary. Yeah, Bettman you can if you want. I just don't know that much about him. Um, because I'm biased, I'm going to go Adam Silver. I. Yeah, I don't see how you could have either of the other two clowns ahead of him. Right. Unless, you know, Goodell does make him a lot of money. If but you Goodell ignore... would come in second, I would imagine, right? Yeah. Not Manfred. No. I mean, and Gary Bettman is a joke in the NHL. He's booed in every stadium he goes to. And so I think it's it's Silver and Goodell. And then after that, it falls off. Like, there's a wide uh disparity discrepancy between second and third you could argue that some of the things that manfred has done have actually hurt the standing of major league baseball in the eyes of fans in the eyes of yeah. fans and you can't really say that about the other right. obviously commissioners make mistakes do things yeah. that are unpopular yeah. but the shield is still the shield the nba brand is right. red hot major league baseball is like what yeah and when of course when he said he called the world series trophy a hunk of metal <laughs> um that was not what commissioners right. are supposed to do right Exactly. But I will say this about Manfred. The pitch clock, it's turned out to be a good thing. It's turned out to be a good thing in baseball. It has. Mm-hmm. Wasn't his idea, but he right, was there. Right, when they he did was it. there. So, yeah. He, it was he on his watch. Credit. Yep. Yeah. Uh, we talked earlier to Matt Barnes about what's going on with Kevin Herter and the Kings and the game against the Warriors. So, we'll take a quick timeout and we'll come back with that for you because it's. Uh, if you heard it, it's worth hearing again. If you haven't heard it, you got to hear it. Matt Barnes is coming up here with the Drive Guys on Sacktown Sports.